On this episode of the podcast, I'm joined again by Brandon Archer to discuss the masculine and feminine traits and energies, how they're not gender specific and why it's important to be able to tap into both of them. We also discuss how they show up in romantic relationships and why it can be dangerous to go too far into one or the other. I hope you enjoy. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Pit Stop 20. And today we have Brandon Archer back to talk about something we talked about on our uh, initial interview, which was masculine and feminine energies. And we ran out of time to really dig into it, which is why I wanted to have you back, Brandon, you know, to really give it the time that it needs, because it's a topic that has been very interesting to me over this past year and was only introduced to me, you know, this year. And the big one being that you know, masculine and feminine energies are actually not gender specific and being able to tap into both sides of them, both, you know, whatever you identify as being able to tap into both sides, you know, that masculine, that feminine energy. And yeah, just wanted to have that conversation and here we are and how are you today, I guess. Yeah. Thanks for having me back. This is actually a subject that's becoming, um, it's been the forefront of my mind for a few years and chipping away at understanding it and, and learning ways to share it all at the same time. So I'm pretty happy we got this opportunity. Amazing. And I guess to start off with, you know, just from how you see it, you know, can you kind of define what we're talking about here of, you know, masculine and feminine energies, how they show up in people, you know, some of the either traits or emotions that are associated with both of them. Yeah, this is uh, this is a a thing. People are very like, "What are you guys talking about, masculine and feminine?" And you automatically think male, female, but that's not what it is at all. Um, definitely, feminine traits come more naturally to women, and masculine traits come more naturally to men. But we carry both, and that's a really important thing I think to say at the start, like you already mentioned. And how you can define them is feminine traits can be the ones that might be considered more subdued and in human traits, we'll just call them human traits for a moment and masculine are a little more the assertive ones. That's super broad strokes, but I think it's a good jumping off point. Awesome. Yeah. And, you know, I just wanted to touch on something quickly too of what you're talking is it's not like necessarily one is right or wrong either. Right. Uh, Like, you know, you have more masculine and more feminine males and more masculine, more feminine females. And, you know, it's not, you know, again, it's not that one is right or wrong. It's just kind of what tendencies you have, right. What side that you've tapped into. And so um, what are, what would you say are some like specific emotions or, you know, a, scenario of like you know showing up more masculine or showing up more feminine and you know I know things like like empathy or anger you know some of those sort of emotions and where they kind of fall into it Hmm, good question I think where they show up are we talking about men or women or just in general I think just in general yeah yeah daily and for male and females right and that's a very interesting point and something I'm teaching men currently is yes they're looking for their masculine core you know maybe more assertive more decisive more um, stillness stillness is an awesome one that is very masculine but the reality is is you flow in and out of both masculine and feminine energies daily and within any given minute you might flow back and forth to empathy to love and that's a bit of a interesting idea because if you think, well, I'm a masculine guy or I'm a feminine woman, you think that's all you exhibit in a day. It's like, no, that's not, that's not the way it works. You're flowing in and out. Now, do you want to stay in your masculine all the time? You don't because it's not healthy and that doesn't actually make a healthy man or a healthy masculine man for that matter. And um, I hope we get to talk later about polarity because that gets super interesting about attracting the opposite into your life. Yeah, we're, we'll definitely touch on that. I actually have that for later on, so I'm excited. And 
you know, of course, with both of us being men, I think a lot more of it will be from our experiences and, you know, from, um, you know, being a man in that perspective. And, you know, I'm curious on what kind of got you started on digging into this topic and the different energies and, you know, tapping into both sides, everything like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was my romantic relationships that were, I, I didn't understand why they weren't working, to be honest. I'm just like, I don't know why this isn't working. And started reading all the books and, and had some mentors and some coaches try to kind of guide me. And it was going well, but I ended up hitting a wall where I'm like, I have no clue what to do next. Um, and that brought me to men's work, which we talked about last time. And part of that men's group is stepping into your masculinity. And it really resonated with me because a common thing for, I'm a Gen Xer, a common thing is like nice guy syndrome, not wanting to hurt people's feelings, um, not being assertive because we weren't taught how to do it in a healthy way. So I was always operating in that, in that space and in romantic relationships, I was passive. I'll use the word passive and it wasn't working for myself or my partners. So once I was in the men's group, we explore that quite, quite a bit. You know, what is it? What do, how do you be a man in 2020? Like, what does that even mean? And it's very convoluted and it's very confusing for not just Gen Xers. I've got men in their 20s in my group and they're same, same challenges, just a little bit different flavor. So that's when I really started looking at the masculinity component. And then I realized through my own research and own experiences that the feminine energies were just like, that's what I exhibited more of. And why? Mm, I will potentially argue it's the modeling I was shown growing up. Uh, I will also say probably just naturally, that's what I was inclined to. That's what I was drawn to. It's what my own psyche was able to do more naturally. But there was also this almost aggression, this like animal almost feeling inside of me that wanted to come out. But because of the nice guy programming that don't hurt people's feelings, um, you know, treat women a certain way, I did not know how to tap into that and feel like I might hurt somebody's feelings. So that was an interesting uh, internal challenge to start un unraveling. Yeah, I mean, you know, that resonates a ton when you're talking about, you know, assertiveness and being told that it's, or maybe not necessarily outright told, but, you know, a lot of times it's almost that mixed messaging of, you know, you're, you're told to be assertive and at the same time, you know, being assertive or, you know, showing assertiveness, you know, the word that comes up for me is like toxic masculinity, right? A lot of times it's kind of a blanket statement of like when you're assertive or, you know, if you, and again, a diff, I think that there's not a differentiation a lot of times between being assertive and being aggressive. Agreed. Right? And I think that's where a lot of like my confusion comes from, where it's like, okay, well, how do I be assertive without being aggressive? Right. And when they're in, lumped into the same definition, it's very hard because there's almost no differentiation. Right. And it seems like no matter what you do, you're wrong. Right. If you're, if you are too assertive or too, aggressive then you you're told that and then if you're too passive you know don't say anything then again you're told that I'm like well you need to be more assertive like well now you're being toxic or now you're being too assertive and trying to find that balance right yeah um, yeah sorry go ahead no you nailed it it's balance yeah and doing it in a way uh without attacking other people i think is one of the big differentiators that i've found of you can be assertive without bringing somebody else down or without, you know, showing that aggressiveness to get them to back down, whatever it might be of almost, you know, it, what's coming up for me right now is like boundaries. Like it's almost assertively setting that boundary and for yourself. And then other people will kind of, you know, the pieces will, will fall where they may, 
but setting it more for yourself instead of forcing others to follow uh, either your ideas or your actions. Yeah, absolutely. And being able to demonstrate assertiveness from a grounded place and even a loving place mm-hmm. feels, we'll, we'll go from obviously a male perspective because we're both men, it feels different. It doesn't feel aggressive. It feels grounded. It feels like you have a healthy boundary. And interestingly enough, my experience and coaching other men is you have to heal your feminine wounds before you can even tackle that stuff, before you can get to the masculinity and healing the healthy masculine. That seems to be the pathway. And we've all probably operated from a place of anger, frustration, and we come across aggressively and just, I invite all the listeners, like how did that feel in your body when you did that? There's most likely a lot of tension. Most likely you felt very angry, but also think of a time when you were assertive and stood your ground and you were breathing and you felt relaxed. So that's assertive. And the previous one with the tension is aggression. So it's very, it is a balance and there's work to do to get there. Yeah. You don't just naturally know how to do that. Yeah, for sure. You know, almost that idea of control, right? Like, are you in control when you're asserting yourself? And if you're losing control, a lot of times it's more of that aggression. Right. And the loss of control, interestingly, is those masculine and feminine wounds that we carry. So everybody's heard about their childhood and, and how something happened when you were three and you carried forward. Absolutely. And this frame of reference with masculine and feminine energies is it, did it wound your feminine? Meaning your ability to love, to open, to receive, or did it wound your masculine, your ability to be assertive, to speak your mind? So it's a very, for me, it resonates so much of how I was able to move forward in my healing and my progression and my growth. I had been implementing all the other modalities, like you name it, I tried it. And they're awesome. Like they do, they, they're necessary, but what I found was until you go into understanding masculine and feminine energies and your relationship with your mother and how most likely that's where your feminine energy wounds came from and start healing that. And same with your father and the masculine wounds. I found all the other stuff. It seemed like it was working on the surface, but all, all the underlying yeah, but. My, it's like my psyche was like, okay, I'm going to try this, but I don't know if I fully believe you. Once I figured out this math and energy around that, everything else, all the other frameworks for communication, let's say in a romantic relationship just started working. Yeah. You know, that's, that's so interesting. And it's just kind of clicking for me in my head right now, because you know, even before we had this talk, I was trying to think about it. Like, you know, where do I really struggle? And I feel like I struggle on both sides. I struggle on some sides of my feminine and some sides of my masculine and other sides I'm strong in it. And, you know, it's confusing to me until it just clicked right now where it was, you know, a lot of times that feminine wound. And for me, just thinking about it now, that's where a lot of it came from. You know, that ability to love, to feel loved, um, to show love, you know, everything in that kind of container led to the problems in, you know, showing my masculine side. And that's, uh, that's so interesting that like, I just had that revelation right now and it, it makes a ton of sense. And, you know, I just, it went back to what you said earlier of a lot of times having to heal those feminine wounds to be able to step into your masculine. So that's, that's very, very interesting. And I'm glad that you brought that just selfishly. <laughs> yeah. Um, it seems to be, it seems to be the way that it needs to go as a man. You, you, especially when we get into a little later about relationships with women, if you haven't dealt with that, it, you can't show up as a masculine energy um, source that her feminine wants. I'm getting a little ahead of the game, but that's, that's okay. <laughs> 
Well, you know, I, I think it'd be super helpful to, you know, hear from your experience. How does one start to do some of that healing, both healing those masculine and feminine wounds? You know, what are some of the things that have either helped you or you've seen help other people just to start that process? Because I think a lot of times that's the hardest part is people are like, well, I want to, I want to start that, but you know, how, how do I do it? That is an amazing question, Jared. So it's much simpler than people think, but it's also much more work than you probably think. So I started, my mentor suggested this to me. And now in my coaching programs, it's actually step one of my nine weeks. It's journaling. Journaling, number one thing. And people are listening going, what are you talking about? That's crazy. Like, I'm not a teenage girl. Yeah, I, I know. But how capable of sharing your thoughts with other people or your feelings are you? That's a question to the listeners. How capable are you to actually share how you feel? For me, how this started is I had a romantic partner that asked me, how do you feel? What do you need from me? And I literally could not answer the question. Literally could not. I was so out of touch with myself, but I didn't know I was out of touch with myself. So again, listeners are probably like, no, I, I got this. No problem. I don't need to do that. I, I will challenge you to try it. Um, there's different journaling prompts out there that can get the conversation. It's kind of a conversation with yourself. Like what's going on in your head? What are the stories going on? And write it on paper. It's fascinating what happens. And it is much like training to be an athlete. There is a time frame that you need to go through. Like let's say you're going to the gym and you're sore. You're so sore for weeks and weeks and weeks. And then your body starts to adapt. Adaptation kicks in and your body can start handling it and it's ready for it. And it's, you know, your eating changes because your body needs more, more fuel. It's no different with journaling. And then the next thing we're going to get to after this, it's repetition. And after a while, your psyche's like, okay, we're going to do this now. Great. Let's do it. And you're able to just like an athlete is able to get faster, more agile, your mind will adapt to it and will allow you to access thoughts and feelings that are kind of locked in there. But if you just do it for a week and stop, it's not going to work. You have to, this is a lifestyle change. It's not like do it for 90 days and stop. It's, it's now part of your life and it's a practice. We'll, we'll bring that word in. It's a practice. And the second one is meditation. When I started meditating, I didn't know what it was, number one. I thought it was, oh, I can't possibly clear my mind. Like, what are you talking about? That's insane. I have all these thoughts running through my head all the time. And it's important to note that that's not even what meditation is. It's not clearing your mind. It's not clearing your mind. And again, the athlete analogy, it's the same thing. The more you do it, the longer you do it, it's like a muscle and it gets stronger and more capable. And meditation has different layers, but there's so many apps out there now. Headspace, Sam Harris, um, Wake. I think it's called Wake. No, I got that one wrong. Anyway, they're out there and they're guided and they have free trials and you just put your earbuds in and you pick the three minute, five minute, 10 minute and you just try it. But what happens at journaling and the meditation, those two things together are, they're so powerful and they're so easy to start on this pathway to heal your uh, feminine and your masculine. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. And what, what you were talking about was coming up for me was, you know, doing something similar in a similar journey through therapy for myself. Right. And I always explain it to people of like, it was almost like peeling back the layers right? Of, I would go, well, this is on my mind. This is what I'm struggling with. So let's work on this. We'd get into it. We'd kind of figure out what it was, resolve it. And like, oh, that was actually coming from this. Then work through that. And like, oh, that was actually coming through this and this and kept going down and down and down and down until we got to, you know, the real source of a lot of that wounding for me, which was from my childhood, which was from my family dynamics. And 
you know, um, what I experienced in them. And finally, like for me, you know, <laughs> the saying that you said is something that I tell people a lot is it's simple, but it's extremely difficult, right? Of yes, it's a very simple step. However, to actually follow through with it, follow through with it to actually keep doing it and dig into the painful things and work through them and resolve them is a very, very difficult thing to do. And, you know, it was extremely difficult. However, it's led to so much growth and, you know, through that turmoil has led to a lot of inner peace as well. And why I always, you know, suggest it to people and I tell them like, it's going to be hard. Like it was the hardest thing that I've ever done in my entire life is digging into some of those wounds. Yeah. Worth it. Worth it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I guess just before we go on to relationships, what have you seen the dangers of being too far to one side being, right? Either only being able to show up in your feminine or only being able to show up in your masculine. And, you know, what, you know, where, what kind of people have you seen that show up when, you know, what kind of habits do they have and why is it important to be able to tap into both of them? That is an amazing question. Yeah, there's two, there's two sides to that. Toxic masculinity, we hear about a lot. There's toxic femininity, feminine energy too, that's never talked about. It's never talked about. And those are two extremes. And we've all heard toxic masculinity. We all know that toxic feminine. I'm still learning about that. But just be aware, listeners, it, it's a thing. But you're, to your question of being you know, too much masculine or too much in your feminine, what happens either, either way, it's, it's definitely like a pendulum. I really like, I like envisioning that because everybody can see it oh, so masculine all the time, so feminine all the time is we encounter these people in our lives and we're like, what is like, you get an energy, you literally feel like something is off, but you might not be able to put your finger on it. So an overly feminine person might be bubbly all the time, a little, um, you know, you might call it head in the clouds, just like, but also the other side of that is they can seem really scattered and chaotic. So that's because they have not brought any masculine traits into their psyche on a regular basis. So stillness, you know, all the thing, um, what else would be a good one? Um, decisiveness, you know, somebody who's too much in their feminine can't make a decision. And we all probably are thinking, yep, that's this person in my life. And it could be a, it could be a man. It could be too much in the masculine. They are quick to make decisions. They, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but when they do it all the time and they don't want to take in other people's input, that's also not, that's not great you need to have some empathy, you need to show some love and decisions too. So, and that assertiveness is, is great, but if you're operating in there all the time and the particular situation you're in requires some empathy and to tone that down, that's not great. So that somebody would be too much in their masculine too often, also can be a woman, also can be a woman that operates in that space, doesn't have to be a man. Yeah. And it's such an interesting thing when you, when you look at the people you might know in your circle and you're like, oh, wow, he just described so-and-so. And what is it? It is like you touched on in therapy. It's your childhood wounds. It is, but the masculine and feminine, you can start to narrow down based on your behavior. If you're self-aware enough to look at your own behavior, Am I too much in my feminine? Okay, what, what do I have around? What happened with my mom that's like pushing me into that space more often than I want to be? Or what happened with my dad that's pushing me too much into my masculine all the time and I can't soften? And there's no, you know, it's important. There's no like, it's not a science necessarily it's very human. This is a very human thing. And what I, you know, I've been to therapy, I've talked to psychologists and psychiatrists, and we as humans have gotten very smart, very, very, very smart. 
And in some aspects, we've left behind the humanness and the rawness of what we are and what works. I'm not saying psychology doesn't have its place because it 100% does, but if we get down to the base core of who we are as beings, that masculine and feminine just starts to make more and more sense the more you look at it and how we react to certain scenarios. Yeah, you know, it's it, you saying that reminds me of, I was actually, I was looking back one of the previous episodes and the idea of being stuck in your head, right? And like you were saying, you know, I think that there really are the two sides of it is one, you need to understand it in your head, but you also need to put it into action. You need to actually embody it right? You can't just think about it all the time. And, you know, for me, that's on my struggle with because I over intellectualize everything. I'm always in my head, always thinking about I can think through this problem, right? And I think that's what this last year has been for me is like, okay, let's actually go put it into practice. Let's try it out, right? Like, I know that I can, and I can understand that I have a problem with conflict. Because, you know, in my house growing up, if, you know, if there was a fight, it was always 10 out of 10. There was no like minor conflicts. It was, you know, all the way. And I can understand that that means, oh, so I don't like conflict now in my adult life because I think it's automatically going to be worst case scenario, 10 out of 10 blow up. And that's why a lot of times I avoid it. And that's super important for me to understand. And at the same time, now I need to go and show myself that I can have a conflict that's a two out of 10 or a five out of 10, that I can share you know that i disagree with somebody and it'd still be okay and it's very different of like understanding it and putting it into practice and i think they're two sides right they're the two halves that you need to go and do yeah absolutely and as you were saying that it was making me think of we are as humans like we are animals we are animals the fact that in the last hundred years our technology has blown like it we, we haven't kept up. We as humans have not evolved at the same level as our, our intellect and our technology. And we have chosen in many cases to ignore the, I'll call it the animal side or the old brain side of how we interact and how we solve problems. So you just said that I'm in my head, I'm intellectual, I'm thinking about it. What about, what about how you feel? What about the animalistic or the, the, whole human side of any given situation. And I see many people coming full circle. They're like realizing, oh, this is actually important. And that was how I shared, you know, there is a place for all the modalities and the, the frameworks for communicating with partners. They're brilliant, but they're very in your head. So yeah. that, that in combination with understanding the energies going on behind everything, it, it is a recipe for things to work really well. For sure. You know, and that's, that's one thing that I've been digging into recently. And I think is, you know, one of the next steps that I want to focus on and, you know, talking about like our bodies through evolution, like we have, you know, fear responses, right. And we have the fight, flight or freeze response. And a lot of times, and for most of our history, that's kept us alive, right? That is to show us like, you know, that we need to survive this situation. And that's why our body responds that way. And now that we have so much stability as a race overall, you know, it's not life or death situations most of the time. However, that's how our body is reacting, right? And so a next step for me is distinct, distinguishing between emotional danger and real danger right? Like my body is having this extreme response to something I'm afraid of. However, there isn't actually any danger here, right? And digging into that and, you know, being able to separate those two things of when am I actually in danger? When is my body keeping me safe? And when am I just afraid to do something, you know, for fear of ridicule or fear of being rejected or whatever it might be? Yes. So, yeah. Very much ring true for me, but um, yeah, you know, I think we should just get into, you know, more of the relationship side of things and polarity and, um, you know, how that's shown up for you. And, you know, you mentioned it, that it was showing up in your past romantic relationships. And I guess just more in general for, to start off with, you know, what are some of the things that you've noticed or that you were working on or that you see in other people in those romantic relationships when, 
people aren't able to be in touch with both their masculine and their feminine. Yeah. Hmm. Where to start? Um, you know, first of all, I know my story in romantic relationships is not unique. I know that because I run multiple men's groups and the stories are very, they're almost identical. So this is, well, I will share from my experience. I know it resonates with most men. My, my marriage, I was married when I was 27 and I didn't know anything. <laughs> I didn't know anything. You know, there's the pretty girl, the pretty girl likes me, we're gonna get married. But, and there is a definitely a physical attraction at that point. And that's, you know, very base level, very primal, very physical. It's a good thing, but emotional attraction, like, what is that? You know, what is, like, that, that wasn't even a thing. So I just was able to model what I was taught, number one. And she was, she was modeling what she was taught because that's the only reference point you have. But reflecting back, I was very um, people-pleasing. I was very, didn't want to ruffle her feathers, so to speak. I remember her saying, and this still triggers me a little bit when I think about it, it's like she would say, happy wife, happy life. Now, at the time, I'm like, kind of like, no, that doesn't resonate with me. Um, but that was like a core thing. That was a thing inside me that was like pushing back, but I had no words or I didn't know what it was. Full circle. Now I kind of understand it, but on a very deep level, a very like, okay, there, there actually is something to that. It's not what she meant. It's not the, it's not what she was referring to, but remind me if I forget that I, I should circle back to that. Cause it's a really neat thought. Yeah. Um, so my experience in that marriage was I was just doing everything I possibly could to please her, but that's not, I was not in my masculine at all. I was not a sort assert, of decisive, decisive grounded. I didn't have access to that in myself yet. So that marriage did not work. And uh, I learned a lot about what I didn't want. And my next serious relationship was when I started this journey of exploring masculinity. So it was very, very different. And she provided a space for me to explore a lot of things. And I'm very grateful for that. And neither of us really had this verbiage that I'm using today, but we could feel it. We're both like, something's not right here. She would like provide this space for me to step into my masculine. And I would just look at it blankly and go like, I don't know what you want from me right now. <laughs> yeah. And um, we did that dance for a while. And I'm very grateful, as I said, to her for, for providing that. And I just couldn't figure it out. I then made a very concise decision. Like, I'm going to figure out this masculine feminine polarity thing. Like, I am going to figure it out. And how I did that was every relationship with a female in my life was a testing ground. Every single one with my daughter, ex-wife, I'm like, I'm gonna figure out what this polarity thing is all about. Read about it a little bit. I could feel it in my body. I could feel it. I could feel something. And eventually uh, through, like I said, practicing with all the women in my life, I could start to see it. I could start to understand it. And at this point, it's important to note, like I had healed, um, many of my feminine wounds and I was ready for it. I was ready to step into masculinity in a new way in relationships and build the container for relationship that I wanted. And I knew it had to do with polarity. Didn't know, like I said, exactly what that looked like. There's some really great, you know, Instagram accounts and leaders out there like Jake Woodard is one. He, he knows his stuff. And 
I would read it and I'm like, yeah, it sounds good. But how do you like, how do you put this into practice? Like, I want to get out of my head and just live life and practice all these things. And I actually had made a decision this summer. I am not reading any more relationship books. I'm just going out there and I, I now need to integrate it. And I was fortunate enough to meet someone that was in a very similar space. She had a lot of knowledge of masculine feminine energies and we started out as friends and talking and like, then it just happened. The like polarity switch went off. And I say it went off like a switch because it did, because we knew each other and I can explain it in intellectual terms a little bit. I had been doing my own work, stepping into my masculine, being grounded, being still, being very um, sure of myself, confident and sure of myself is not boastful. It's not, I know who I am. I figured it out. I know who I am. I know my weaknesses. I know what I'm working on. And that was a big difference. Um, one thing in the polarity with, with my current partner is I was vulnerable. Yeah. And that was probably the piece of the polarity. I'd gotten the mountain, you know, grounded thing figured out quite well. I can do it. Um, when I have an emotional issue within myself, work of it's like I have people to go and process that with and get great guidance but what I didn't understand on polarity with relationship is she didn't want me to hide I was going through and she didn't want me to always show up as this like super rock solid guy the polarity came from me showing my vulnerability but it's a combination right it's the I have to I had to do the work to be grounded when I feel ungrounded. It's not that I go to her like a little boy and ask her to help me work through these things. It was simply I'm going through some stuff. I want you to know it. I don't need anything from you, but here's why I'm feeling a little off today and why I might not present myself like I usually do. Yeah. That was where it switched. And because I have a partner that speaks the same language and same verbiage, we've been able to, she can tell me her experience as a woman, what's going on and why that, the, why that creates the polarity. Yeah. Which is like a gift. It's like, I'm not reading this in the book and not some other guys not telling me about it. It's like, I'm living it. Yeah. And what it is, is trust. Yeah. Trust. No, and, you know, a couple pieces on that, um, you know, the first one going back when you're talking about as you started digging into it, you looked for opportunities in every single, you know, relationship that you had with any female, right? And, you know, that rang true for me too of like, you know, once you're looking for these opportunities, you can find them in a lot of different places and going back quickly to, for me, to conflict, right? And it can start as very small little things, right? disagreeing with somebody on where you want to eat, right? <laughs> Saying that you don't like something that they like, you know, taking those tiny little steps and looking for those opportunities and stepping into those opportunities, right? Um, you know, another big piece that, you know, when you were talking was vulnerability coming up for me. And that's what I've now looking back on it realized has been a huge piece um, of my journey so far this past year has been showing that vulnerability because I realized that I was not vulnerable with anybody, right? Like no matter who it was, I was always that rock. I was that emotional rock. You come to me for support. Um, you know, I don't need anything from you. Um, I'm always doing fine, right? I don't struggle with anything, whatever it might be. Or, and that played into imperfection as, imperfections as well. But, you know, funny enough, I love that pendulum swinging analogy too. And as I started doing some of the work, um, I had a relationship with a, with a woman and I went way too far the other side. And I went like, I've never been vulnerable. So I'm going to be as vulnerable as humanly possible. I'm going to share every single problem or imperfection or, you know, um, thing that I struggle with right off the bat, like kind of here I am. <laughs> right? And, 
now looking back on that, realizing like, oh, I went way too far, right? And it's finding that balance, which is so important. Um, and, you know, I guess quickly too, you know, you've, you've used the verbiage of polarity, right? And can you explain a little bit more about what specifically you mean when you use that term of polarity? Yeah, for sure. And I can pick up where I left off with that story is she shared with me, it was the trust. And I'm like, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> like, I am exposing my soft side to you and that, that increases trust. And why that is so important to a woman who wants to be in her feminine is that she knows I can take care of myself, my emotional self, which allows her to show me her emotional side and soften into her feminine. We all know women that are very uh, powerful, very strong. I love that. Like personally, I, I am attracted to that. So they are most likely in their masculine energies quite a bit. But is that where they want to be? So I know for a fact, I mean, I don't have scientific data, but I've lived enough life that women are incredible creatures. And in a relationship, if we think of a pie chart and it's half masculine, half feminine energy brought to the relationship. And this is broad strokes. This is not, I know it doesn't work this way. It's just for illustration. It works really well. Let's say the man brings 50, like the masculine, the woman brings the feminine energy. If the man cannot fulfill that, that masculine energy in the relationship, women have this crazy, amazing ability to just step into it and own that masculine energy. I'm going to make the decisions. I'm going to do this, whatever. I'm going to get stuff done because the man is not doing it. That wrecks the polarity, it wrecks it. She doesn't necessarily want to do this. And remember, we're not talking about the intellectual side of this. We're talking about the base human core, feeling, body, old brain, biological side of things. And unless people have awareness around this is this is who we are as humans, this is not going to make sense. And until you do that work to dig a little deeper. So back to, you know, my experience with my partner, she was able to sit, like she has been in her masculine, you know, she's divorced and for her whole marriage, she had to fulfill that. It's not what she wanted. It's not what she ever wanted. So now in our relationship, I'm able to show up with my masculine uh, and feminine heel. Well, I think the feminine healed is the thing. I don't need her for anything. I don't, I, I've dealt with not all of my mother wounds, I will say, but enough that I can show up consistently and take care of myself emotionally. And there's this trust that's built and she's able to soften into her feminine more. That's where she wants to operate. It's not that she can't, and it's not that she doesn't step into her masculine. But that's that polarity. That's that attraction. Opposites attract. It, that's the magic. And in a romantic relationship, I am now of the belief that it is up to the men to lead the way. Women will follow and soften if men do their work, heal their feminine wounds, step into their masculinity. Mm -hmm. And that's all uh, it's oversimplifying, but that's what, that's all you need to do. I say that's all you need to do because, you know, similar to the journaling and the meditation, meditation, it's easy or it's simple. I mean, I think that's the word we use, but it takes a lot of work. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I have an interesting question for you and I don't, it, it just, it came up to me too of, do you think that there are situations where, you know, like as a woman, they do want to step more into that masculine side and as a man they want to be more in that feminine side do you think that it goes the opposite way too yes and you will see couples that are very happy and that works mm -hmm. and see that is so that's such a thread to pull because <laughs> as hu humans evolve who knows what's going to happen but i think where we currently are at in evolution for most of the population we are still 
this masculine feminine polarity with the men having the masculine, the women having the feminine, I think that works most of the time. Fast forward, who knows how long, 200 years, maybe this is all not going to work at all. And I could, I could foresee that, but I think it's important to acknowledge where we at are at mm -hmm. evolutionary and this still works. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I'm, I'm always a big believer in, you know, there are almost never absolutes, right? There are always exceptions to the rules. And, you know, when I think about it, I think in more just general terms, right? If, you know, like you're talking about with that polarity, you just need that balance in the relationship. Right. And that balance at the same time seems not to work as well if it's on extremes of like if one partner is only masculine and one partner is only feminine, you know, I, I think that it may work, but I think that there's a lot of growth still possible in there that, you know, like one might be 80% and 20%, the other one balances it out the other way. Um, but, you know, needing that balance there. Yeah. And if we use that pendulum analogy too, it is important to remember that even us as individuals, yeah, where are we? Are we too much in our feminine, too much in our masculine, or are we in the middle? And here's the thing, even though I'm talking about polarity and what attracts what, we flow in and out of it every single day, every, every moment. And, and I've experienced that, but I think the core of the relationship is based on, I'm bring the masculine energy. She brings the feminine. I can drop into the feminine. No problem. Mm -hmm. She can, she can go into her masculine. No problem for us. And I do believe most couples that's, that's what they want. That's the situation they want. Now it's not to say that, today she's not in her masculine doing her thing and I might have an absolutely emotional afternoon I don't know yeah but the ability to get if you think of the pendulum get back in the center and the center for me is more in my masculine um, stability stillness and hers is while wow, she's quite stable but allowing allowing herself to be soft and, and welcome in love like that's a huge one welcome in the love that I have to give that's where she wants to be she doesn't want to be like taking care of everything herself yeah and so you know like in relationships if people find themselves in relationships they might not have this type of verbiage and maybe a lot of times I feel like it's one partner kind of getting into this world how you know how have you seen those initial conversations play out like how do you introduce something like this into a relationship have you, how have you seen it done? Is it a lot of just trial and error and like being willing to allow that space for each other? You know, what, what have you seen or what have you experienced? Yeah. And I have, I have friends on both, you know, men who have done started into the work and I've had women that have started into the work. And so it's a great question and it's, it can be hard. It can be hard. Um, you know, I think of my men friends that are leading the way one guy in particular, and he's been working really hard on himself, which has allowed him to show up better in his relationship. And it's shifting the whole, the whole relationship from a year ago is different. Yeah. So that's great. You know, he's taking the lead and he's just making things happen. Well, he's not making things happen. He's doing his work on himself and it's showing up in his relationship. Let's put it that way. I've had, um, I have a female friend that made a hard decision about her relationship. She was doing the work and he wasn't. And it got to a point where it just wasn't going to work anymore for them. Yeah. So how... You know, I think it is, I think more women are in touch with this work. I really do. I've seen it. We probably all know that instinctively. I think it's on the men to step up. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, as we are starting to wrap up here, going back to that statement that you made earlier, of, you know, happy wife, happy life. And, you know, is it a case of originally when you were exposed to it, it was that surface level of, 
you do anything to make her happy and then you'll be happy. Yes. And is it now understanding it on a deeper level? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And it's all about if I'm solid and I'm happy, she's happy and able to trust me, which then makes a happy life or happy relationship if we want to frame it a little deeper. So that's the context, I think, that makes more sense to me now. You're right. At the time, it was very surface level. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Um, yeah, I had one more thought and it just went woof, <laughs> vanished. That's okay. Um, you know, is there anything else just in general on this topic that we didn't get to touch on yet that you wanted to mention or um, anything that you want to say to people that are listening? Yes, I remembered my thought and it's a great way to end is, is women, you know, seem to understand this more. And, and I did say, I think it's up to men to step into this. I still stand by that, but I'm getting asked a lot lately from women is like, what can I do to help? It's been a hard, it's been a hard thing to answer. And I think the biggest thing is, is you have to allow men the space to step into it. And that is a bit of a challenge because if you, if a woman is filling that masculine space, there's nowhere for him to step into. Mm -hmm. So it may sound counterintuitive to like, what do you mean you want me to soften so he can step into it? He might be confused. He might not know that that's what needs to happen, but if the space is there and there's loving support around it, it seems to be the key how women can help men in this work and encourage them. You know, they have lots of wounds, you know, they're, and they don't want necessarily want to look at them or they don't know. I will say they don't know they need to look at them. And I think men and women can work together. The, the ones that are aware of what's going on and we can start working together more always to help these guys. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And, you know, it brings me back to when you were talking about that, that first uh, more serious relationship you were in uh, when you started this work of, you know, like the space would be there and it would be like, oh, I don't know what to do with it. Right. And I think that's a huge thing too. Of, you know, once you start, just because you start recognizing that it's there doesn't mean that you can take the proper action every single time. And I think allowing for that space as well and finding places where you can play in that, right? Where um, it's okay if you step into it incorrectly or you miss your opportunity or whatever it is, but at least having the safety and the opportunity to be able to step into it and with practice and with the will to continue to try is really where that, that growth comes in, in my opinion. I agree with you 100%. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for doing this. I really enjoyed um, you know, our conversation and, you know, it's something that I've started to dig into more and more and I'm, can, I'm, ha I'm excited to continue to learn about it. So thank awesome. you again and we'll chat soon. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Jared. Thanks for listening to the podcast. We'd love to hear any feedback that you have through Instagram at Jared Salikin or by email Jared at Jared as well as it really would mean the world to me if you liked and subscribed to the podcast. Thanks so much.